Welcome to Owl Have You Know, a podcast from Rice Business. This episode is part of our Flight Path series, where guests share their career journeys and stories of the Rice connections that got them where they are. On today's episode of I'll Have You Know, I'm here with Jan Getgelek and Jesus Patino, full-time MBA students graduating in 2010. This is an exciting episode. We've got two guests on. You guys are in some ways catching up here for the first time in a, in a bit. We're going to talk about your story. We're going to talk about Rice Energy Finance Summit, which you guys founded, and a whole bunch of other things, I'm sure. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I want to just kind of chronologically, one of the things I'd just love to unpack is you guys both grew up outside of the United States, beyond you in Belgium, Jesus, you in Mexico. And I want to just ask, how did Rice eventually get on your radar? What drew you to Rice? Jan, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. I came to Houston for my first job out of college. I did my uh, master's degree, uh, undergrad and master's in, in Belgium, mechanical engineering. Was sent to Houston for a project and fell in love with Houston, with the U.S. and decided to, to stay. So when my... Uh, my company wanted me to go back to Belgium after my project. I told them, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. Uh, so I quit my job and then I went to business school and I was in Houston already and Rice was just such a great school and such a good fit. Uh, that, that's where I ended up going. So for me, after uh, college, uh, I worked for uh, MI Swacker, now it's Lumberjay, for years offshore. Uh, in part of the, when you start the program, you go into what they call the bot school. I was a drilling fluids engineer. So I came to mod school, spent nine weeks in Houston. And, and I had kind of the bug for a few years. I started working. And six years later, when it came time to apply to business schools, I applied to a bunch of, you know, there were top five schools and rise because of its connection to, to the oil and gas and the energy industry. And it turned out to be <laughs> a great decision. So Love that. So Jesus, you know, you, you've got a, a technical background. What sort of drew you to that initial line of work? So with the engineering degree, I mean, they started working overseas. I initially wanted to go into food industry, but uh, my family, my, my dad worked in oil and gas. My grandfather worked in oil and gas. They were both geologists. It was just natural to find a good job in oil and gas back in Mexico. And I started going get a, a job offer to start going offshore and start doing that. Uh, Pay was good, job was exciting, interesting projects, and uh, we took it from there. I mean, I was uh, spent some six, about six years going offshore. The last couple of years were in West Africa, so I was doing assignments and doing the rotational engineering job where you go and spend four weeks on and four weeks off. And while I was doing that, it was, it's, it's a story that I, I, I've told a few people. It's uh, We were in the rig one night. It was like a Sunday. It was actually Monday, local time in Ghana. 2 a.m. in the morning, right? And we had to decide whether or not to pull out of the, uh, I mean, to pull the, the uh, down tool out of the uh, the well, which was going to take two days and probably $4 million worth of rig time, right? And we were waiting on a call from Dallas. Someone, you know, make the decision on whether or not to continue drilling and go and try to find the next contact or pull out of the hole, right? And then it was kind of, okay, today's is Monday, 2 a.m. in the morning. Someone is crunching numbers back in Dallas to make a decision it wasn't happening with us in the rest you know a couple of months of our lives i'd rather be in that doing that job rather than, than, than being here so well it was very exciting to be you know looking at i mean getting things done in the field i thought that the, the decision process required a different type of skill set and 
was time to go to school to get it. So that's kind of what brought me to, to business school. And, and RISE was definitely the, the right place to. Jan, you've also got an engineering background. Mechanical engineer, I understand, spent some time in petrochemical logistics and other things. Can you talk a little bit about your career leading up to your experience at Rice and what led you to start down that path? And then we'll talk a bit about what you spend your time doing today, but we'd just love to kind of understand. I'm just trying to paint a picture of you're in Belgium, you've done this degree, and now you're kind of starting this career. What got you sort of pointed down that path initially? Yeah, my career before RICE was, uh, in one word, uh, short. It was very short. I, I did an engineering degree in Belgium because it's the, uh, I never intended to be technical or have a, a technical career. Uh, I always wanted to have a business career, but an engineering degree, at least in Belgium, provides the, the broadest range of post career opportunities. Uh, I also wanted to leave Belgium and, and, and go abroad and again having an engineering degree especially mechanical engineering uh, provided a lot of opportunities to to get a job abroad um, and so you know that that's why I decided to get my engineering degree started working for this petrochemical logistics company in Belgium it, again for the main reason because they promised they would send me to the US for a project that's why I joined that company in the first place and then they sent me to the US for a project and then wow I loved it so much and I, I quit that job to stay. That was just a seven month uh, period, if you will. Uh, so really had barely one year of work experience when I joined the RICE program. I was one of the youngest guys in the class. I think I was um, yeah, 24, I guess, when I, 23 or 24 when I started. I did a five-year master program in school. So I was one of the youngest guys starting, starting RICE. I've been to Belgium before, love the country. What are some of that initial moment that you guys kind of met? Like, what were you guys in a class together, work on a project together? Like, how did you guys sort of connect? Would love to just sort of carry that into the discussion on the whole premise for the Rice Energy Finance Summit and what led to not only the concept, but sort of executing that for the first time. Yeah, when did we meet Jesus? It must have been day one, oh, yeah. I think, one of the first yeah. events, probably. I think we even had a, an event just for the international students, I think, before. We had a mission week, right? Before. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so even before the year officially started, I think we had an international. Do you remember that? I think we went to the Rice football stadium. With a bunch of internationals in the first game. It was, a, yeah, the very first week. Just for the international right. students, yes. Yeah. So I think we met uh, very, very early on. And, and yeah. then, I don't remember, we were in the same section also, right? So we, we yes, took from right. most of the core classes yeah. uh, together, right? With this, uh, so yeah, we. I mean, we were we were essentially in the same same classes. So spending a bunch of time together, working on different things. I mean, I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, sitting at Valhalla, like having a drink, and like, hey, we should do this. What was kind of the spark of of what has turned into rest? That happened, I think, further in a year, right? Yeah, maybe a fun fact too, Jesus, you probably remember this, but 2008 when we started the program is when Hurricane Ike hit Houston and shut down the school and I was staying in the Rice graduate apartments which were hit pretty hard. Those were shut out, shut down for, for two weeks and I actually stayed with Jesus and his wife and Camila, <laughs> his one-year-old daughter for a few days because of course at Rice I didn't have power or water or... Uh, remember that, Jesus? Yeah, the Hurricane Ike. Jesus was kind enough to let me stay with him. So we were, we were friends uh, very early on. Yeah, yeah there, there was always, uh, I guess, a, a sense of uh, the international student community. There was a different, we're all kind of in the, in the same ground. Although I must say that, that one thing that always uh, uh, 
so ingenuous. It was he seemed to be farther ahead in the the plan for the program and what to do and when to. I was not nearly, you know, at the same level when it came to you know readiness for the investment banking interviews and all that stuff that comes very early, right? Late in the, in the first semester, so so. And, and obviously, I mean, I was you know married with, with a one-year-old little girl in the house. It was kind of a slightly. I think I think that that gave everyone a sense of that they had more stability. In, <laughs> in life. Sure. But uh, uh, that was not necessarily the case. But uh, yeah, you were in a, a phase ahead of uh, most <laughs> of us uh, in life. I was a 24-year-old single guy. Yeah, different stage in life. And then for refs, I think what happened was um, so I was elected to be the Rice Finance Club president in the second year, and then Jesus was elected Rice Energy Club president. And I was thinking about what I wanted to accomplish as Rice Finance Club president. And one of the items on, on that list was, you know, what, what how about a, a student-run conference? And I think even maybe the dean at that point was really interested in, in seeing that happen. I started talking to Jesus, why don't we do a joint finance club, energy club, and something around finance and energy. And that, that's uh, how we started talking about it and how it came to be. I remember that the year, the year before, so in our first year, Kian and, and the guys in the they tried, yeah. they, they did a, a, an energy education conference event with had a Janet Clark as the main speaker. She was at the time the CFO of Marathon Oil, but that also got pushed right. because of, of the storm, mm. and, and so that that event didn't happen. It was kind of something that uh, it was not as ambitious as, as Revs ended up being, but it was kind of a, an initial push to make something uh, slightly bigger happen right around energy education and finance. And yeah, that's correct. I sat down with Kian Grandmaye, who was the Rice Finance Club president of the year before, and brainstormed with him about what are all the things that we could organize. And he mentioned also the idea of a conference, which he tried, but then it didn't really work out. And then one other thing on the list was a first visit to Warren Buffett, which we organized as well. That was the first time we did that. And there were a few other things, but yeah, a student-run conference was on that list. And so, yeah, and I'm a, I'm a doer, so you know, <laughs> just wanted to make it happen, yeah. And I remember being at the uh, student commons, commons sitting and having a chat with Jan and, and, and this whole thing of uh, how big she would think and it was very very adamant about thinking big and just why, why not try to be you know whoever right yeah. and that's when Jan came up with a with the uh, with the name <laughs> the summit name yeah that initially I, I thought it was I mean I, I would have come up with that but I think it worked out really 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 well as as, as a name and as a brand and um and then we, we went we went with the uh, with the dean with Dean Glick to make the pitch and say okay this is what we want to do. It's a lot that has to come together to to pull something like that off. We got some big speakers. I mean that was the key thing. And I was I was very impressed as a Rice MBA student. You really get incredible access to leaders in the business society in a business community. Uh, and so we had top-notch speakers that first year. We had some CEOs and of top energy companies. It came together really, really nicely. Every time I speak with, with a student nowadays, I, I always tell them that uh, there's only two years in their lives where they are going to be able to start an email saying, I am a Rice MBA student <laughs> that wants to speak with you. And, and that, that line is, is, is powerful because it, it, it really resonates with people and you get their attention in the... Uh, and that's that's a door opener that you shouldn't let go <laughs> pass right should take yeah. full advantage of it because uh, it really allows you to connect with 
people that otherwise use these won't will listen to you, right? That's right. Yeah. You guys are touching on a few factors that I think tell the story well, that one, an experience at Rice Business, there's sort of opportunity to to create something from nothing that might, you know, have an impact. And as students and active alumni, you've seen, you know, different programs kind of come and go, different initiatives come and go, but there's sort of this freedom to create in an effort to have a positive impact. What do you think that sort of the, the staying power of refs, you know, it has become over the years one of the, you know, the largest student-led programs at Rice Business. Where do you think some of that longevity came from and anything that kind of sticks out in, in the experience? Well, I think you have to be a bit lucky with who takes the helm because obviously we can only organize it one year. I think the inaugural edition, uh, I thought was, was terrific, the speakers and the attendance. The following year, we handed it off to the next group of students. They did it all right, you know, it still happened. And in the third year, it was um, Brian did. And actually, not a fun fact, my wife, who is now my wife, was the co-chair of the third refs hmm. edition uh, in 2012, together with Brian. And they did also a great job. And so once you have a few good editions under your belt, that's where it, it kept rolling. But I think to your point, I think it's just it was just a right fit for, for Rice, Rice Energy Finance Summit. It seems like it did fill a hole in Houston and especially for the Rice community. And, and so it made sense to have it. And I, I think it, it's just a, uh, a useful program that, that got enough interest from the community to, uh, to grow. And now it's so great to see that even now, I think 12 years later, it's still going strong. So it's just fantastic. I remember uh, the first interview that I had with the school was with uh, Sean Ferguson who was the associate dean of degree programs, I believe, uh, at the time. Uh, it was in Mexico City, actually, in one of these career fairs, MBA fairs in Mexico City. I had lunch with Sean, and, and he was telling me part of the pitch that he was making for, for, for the Rice MBA was that uh, it's a place where you can come and do things. Yeah, that it's small enough, right, where you can actually make an impact, which sounds a little bit as a cliche, but it was very true. <laughs> it turned out to be <laughs> very real. And I think still is. I mean, you still see uh, fairly... Uh, newer programs right like the uh, the women's women leadership conference and, and, and it's a place that that has you know enough resources to 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 allow you to think big right but it's still small enough where you can you can have to <laughs> make it happen it, um, and that's something that, that i think i think is part of the of, of the of the reasons why it was a successful program right yeah i spoke to a group of rice students on on last friday and i said the same thing when it, it my time at Rice was the best two years of my life. But you get out what you put in. And I put in a lot, and it, it gave me so much. You know, I really had such an incredible time. But you, you get out what you put in. And for any existing students today, or current students, try to do stuff, build things, be, in, be engaged, be involved. And, and it's such an incredible, rich experience. Being at, at Rice in the business school, it's a unique time in your life. And... Um, yeah, for me, it's still today the best time of my life, yeah. And, and that goes definitely to the program and also for the alumni life, right? <laughs> Once you're an alum, uh, always something interesting going on, right? And whether, I mean, and being outside Houston, it's, it's harder to remain involved, but attending the events that are outside Houston and, and, and just being, trying to be, be part of it, I think there's a, you always get uh, more than what you put in, <laughs> but you need to put it in. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good point because being in Austin, I, li I live in Austin, uh, it's definitely harder because, of course, I was extremely engaged with Rice in Houston. And then after my time, I, I went back to the school all the time for events and, and such so, such a wonderful uh, community. And then being away from Houston does make it harder, unfortunately. appreciate you guys sharing that. I think it's uh, such an important feature for sort of current students, even alumni, prospective students, that, that Rice truly is a place to learn, experiment, build relationships, and you kind of just never know what might have legs and uh, and become sort of like integrated into the fabric of what Rice Business delivers and the countless impact that the summit has had over the years and cool opportunities. I've had an opportunity to speak at REFs uh, in the past and so I've had a chance to stay connected and, um, and so it's really great to see. I'd, I do want to ask sort of, are there any sort of learnings from that experience in building that, whether individually or together that you sort of reflect on or sort of help as you've kind of gone out into your current expression of your career, uh, which I want to sort of jump into as well? Maybe that there's nothing you can't do. I mean, you want to uh, organize a conference uh, and make it a big success, you can. Uh, it's just a matter of, of doing it. A lot of people have a lot of ideas in life. And I always say ideas, ideas are like buses. There's another one every five minutes. Uh, you just have to do it, and, and you have to execute and, and make it happen. And that experience, uh, and Jesus did a tremendous job uh, building this conference and together just gave us a lot of confidence, I think, that, yeah, wow, you know, there's really nothing you, you can't do. And it, it is true, having that the Rice, hey, I'm a Rice MBA student, being able to put it in an email actually opens up a lot of doors which, um, to Jesus's point, <laughs> after you graduate from Rise, was <laughs> that you can't do that anymore. But uh, yeah, it's just that level of, of confidence in, in what you can accomplish. And reaching out to top head honchos and, and captains of industry, and guess, guess what? They respond to you and they're, they're interested. And so it was a remarkable experience. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, one thing that I don't think, Jan, we were not thinking about, you know, any kind of... Uh, you just wanted to make something something big and because we didn't see any reason why <laughs> the school I mean shouldn't have a, a big event in finance energy right I mean you had everything in place you know a terrific venue uh, a school with a lot of prestige uh, you had all the you know the, the corporate offices of all, <laughs> all the top energy companies uh, and investment banks and, and so on and so forth so there, there was no reason why it all was needed it was a ton of work <laughs> a few people right to to make it happen in, in uh, and that's what it is i mean there was there was nothing special other than than get it it done right was it ever in doubt i mean was was it ever in doubt that you were going to get that first one up and off the ground you mentioned sort of funding or other things was it uh was there sort of a moment or was it just kind of like as as you're marching forward it uh it, it became clear that it was going to be uh be able to be executed I don't think it was ever in doubt. No, we were marching ahead and making it happen. And Jan was able to secure a couple of speakers very early on. Yeah, before I even noticed, he had yeah, already sent yeah. a few emails and had gotten responses, and we we're like, okay, well, that's it looks like it's happening. So. We're up and running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and also thanks to the school. I mean, a lot of these early speakers on they're also involved with the school. Council of Overseers. Yep, yes, yep, yep, Council of Overseers. And, and of course, the dean was on board and the whole school was on board. So when we saw that we would get some big speakers, then we knew it was going to be a success. When you get together big speakers in a room, 
you know you'll attract attendees. And we didn't charge all that much, frankly. I think now, Jesus, it's a lot more expensive to attend, I think, refs. In our year... We, we had a few conversations yeah, about what is the right price tag yeah. for this. It was kind of a... Uh, yeah, it was it was not nearly as nice. We didn't have the fancy luncheon or the... Uh, it was essentially yeah. you know, lunch boxes in, in the... It was a lot more modest, but... Uh, but it happened. Yeah, yeah. The, the entrance fee was modest, and and so we, we knew that if we had the speakers, we could bring together uh, full attendance and make it a success. Yeah, I, I do. I do remember though that that I mean we were concerned at some point with people signing it, sign ups, right? Because sure. we're not. Yeah, will will people show up, right? All that. Uh, yeah, but that yeah. was part of the <laughs> that comes with it. We really pushed everybody to advertise it, promote it. Lots of emails were sent out. Uh, just to make sure people would sign up, and and they did, and they did, yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, appreciate what you guys have built. I think it's uh, it doesn't have an end in sight, so it's really exciting. I think it's going to be a plank in the foundation of of Rice Business for years to come. I'd love to sort of uh, just dig into a little bit your experience, sort of post graduation. So you've both gone on to do different careers. And so, Jesus, I wanted to ask, you know, we were talking a bit about your offshore oil and gas experience after graduation. What happened next, if you will, sort of in the story? Like, where did you go in your career and what were some of the decision points along the way? So after graduation, I, as part of the whole REVs and Energy Club and involvement with the school, I got the opportunity to meet uh, Jay Collins, who at the time was the uh, CEO of Oceaneering International. I kind of uh, developed a, a little bit of a, a connection there, and uh, and they ended up opening a, a business analyst position at Oceaneering, and they invited me to to join there. It was uh, I ended up interviewing with him and Kevin McAvoy, who was the CEO also at the time. A little bit of an art thing for a <laughs> for a business analyst position, but it was also a testament of the rise, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, prestige. So I had I had interview and joined the company as, as a business analyst. This was right after graduation, actually. It didn't happen as part of the, the graduation. I did my internship with MI Swaco, who was a company that I was working for before before school. Uh, they actually made me an offer, but it was, it was the offer for Oceaneering was significantly better uh, in, in many aspects. And with Oceaneering, I spent 11 years. I mean, covering different roles, doing, uh, I had a, a marketing job with the company, then they had a, uh, I did M&A, for, for a few years, the company spent a few years uh, actually very active in the acquisition uh, side. So, so got to do that in the corporate development role for about three years. Then jumped in a, a had a commercial job with our with the offshore intervention business of the company. All you know, Oceaneering is a subsea company. I had been I had deep water ex- experience. Uh, never, never did a technical job with Oceaneering. It was all either you know commercial finance or corporate development. And the last role that I had with Oceaneering was a, we started a business for a maritime intelligence initiative. Uh, after an acquisition that we did, the business was, was trying to take a different angle and start developing intelligence solutions for, for maritime operators outside of gas. And I got to run a, a, a team of, of data uh, scientists to develop this this platform to, to sell analytics. Uh, that business didn't didn't take off in the way we expected. In the last year, I left Oceaneering and started working for with a former colleague from Oceaneering in, in a family business. He's got in here in Houston, Berlin. We manufacture sandblasting equipment, 
so I'm no longer in oil and gas. It's a manufacturing operation. It's a very nice operation, very well-run business that is looking at doing an international expansion, significant international expansion in the next few years. So I came in to help with setting up that strategy and executing the, the strategy for to help the company get into the next phase of growth. And I've been a year working with them, and it's it's really exciting. It's it's fun. I'm traveling more than I was, and it's a it's refreshing. It's all a different animal from from corporate development from uh, a corporate job, but uh, it's super fun. That's fantastic. Uh, as you managed to kind of stay close to Rice post graduation as well, we touched on briefly. You've uh, stayed connected with alumni organizations. Can you share a bit about your experience there and what motivated you to? To participate in in the ways that you have, rice is definitely a big part of of, you know, of our family. As Jan said, it's probably two of the best years of, of our lives uh, were spent at the program. And, uh, and when we graduated, just wanted to stay involved. So I after I mean I was very active, you know, coming to events, attending to events. I we we got a house fairly close to to uh, Race Heights area, so to campus. So it's it's a sh- relative short. And part of the decision of, of staying there was was to be close to Rice, quite honestly. <laughs> Undeclared reason, right? <laughs> anyway, everybody <laughs> right. is there. So we are close. A couple of years after graduation, I was invited to to, to join the alumni association board and, and started working with the board. And, and the, I mean, it's a three-year commitment that is typically extended to three more years, right? So it ends up sure. being a six-year commitment. In the last year, I had I had the opportunity to serve as, as president of the Alumni Association, so it was a it's a good time just to be you know around. I, the thing that, that, that I also say a lot is that I have seen the the value of my degree going up over time. I mean, my equity mm-hmm. in, in the school is I mean, if the rankings are an indication, right? It has clearly come up. I don't know if I would be eligible for admission today. <laughs> I'll say that much. Uh, but yeah, so so I remain. Active. Uh, I rolled off the, uh, the the alumni association board. In the following year, I was invited to to join the Rice Business Partners board. Right, it's a different angle. And, and I don't know if the folks listening uh, know what are the roles of the different boards. Uh, the alumni association board essentially represents the, the alumni body, right, in front of the office of the dean. The Rice Business Partners is 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 a group that helps the school connect with corporate world with with business side of it. so you have the the uh, what it was used to be the council of council of overseers that is changed names now essentially senior executives you know helping the school generally uh, ignorers helping the direction strategic direction to the dean the alumni association representing this representing the students and then the uh, rise business partners which is sort of represents the corporate world of the business world so i've been working with the rise business partners board for three, four years now, and was recently uh, asked to, to serve as president, so president-elect of the Rice Business Partners now, and um, yeah, look forward to it. We organize, we have a lot of events, and uh, about seven to ten events a year that have the uh, leadership speaker series, and then we have some roundtables, and our members can come to events, and it's always a nice event, and, and networking session following up as you're kind of saying like rice business partners today like how do people be is it you know organizations that sort of sign up as partners how could alum listening find ways to get connected with some of the or- those organizations i mean with links with more information in, in the school's website reach out to any of uh, of us uh, and the members our events are always published in, in the schools and you can 
can join and sign up the, the newsletters that we send out. Essentially, we have two types of memberships, a corporate membership and an individual membership, right? In two different uh, price tags. Okay. Both give you access to all of our events. The whole idea of Rise Business Partners is operating on the three pillars that we call, right? Connect, inform, and inspire. And all the things that we do are around the idea of creating connections, informing people, giving somebody some useful information <laughs> for their lives and, and inspiring folks to, to do good things, right? So it's... Uh, we have uh, uh, the Rise Business Partners website. Let me just reach out and, and uh, we'll be happy to speak more about it. Love it. Uh, Jan, if I could pivot to you, you sort of got a job in investment banking after graduation. Can you talk a little bit about your post-graduation experience and ultimately what led you to the company that you're currently sort of working for yeah. and some of your entrepreneurial experience along the way? Before Jan starts, so sorry, let me tell you that Jan has, Jan is the poster child of an MBA career for me. So every time I need to tell somebody, he checks all the boxes for pre and post it MBA depends. career. So if, if you want a post MBA career in energy, finance, corporate, uh, Jesus is a poster child. <laughs> if you want to go do something entrepreneurial, with the caveat, the don't don't try at home kind of thing. Under your own risk, right? My example. I, yeah, I always wanted to uh, do something entrepreneurial, be an entrepreneur, start my own business. But uh, I'm an immigrant, couldn't start a business out of business school because I need a visa to stay in the country. Same with Jesus. And so I decided to uh, you know get a job with the one industry that doesn't care if you're an immigrant or not, which is investment banking. They do sponsor foreign students for their visa and also investment banking I, I thought you know that they, they pay the most money so I could make as much money as possible and save as much money as possible to then start my my own business one day so I went into investment banking uh, JP Morgan investment banking and fun fact in fact I was the Rice Finance Club president I didn't take a single finance elective <laughs> at Rice I took all the entrepreneurship classes at Rice which now the entrepreneurship program is well uh, regarded, uh, highly, highly ranked, number one in, in certain surveys. Yep. Rightfully so. I loved every class of it. And I actually graduated with the entrepreneurship designation, even though I went into, into investment banking, which was always my, my temporary job. Because while at JP Morgan, I was actively looking for opportunities, uh, looking at one point to buy a business with a few former classmates, going down several entrepreneurial opportunities, mm -hmm. uh, most of which didn't, didn't work out. But at one point, I thought, you know, virtual reality, I thought, was going to be the next big thing. This was in 2011, 2012, a bit early, but I thought virtual reality was going to be the next big thing. And I thought the biggest problem that hadn't been solved yet was how to move around inside VR, inside the metaverse, which is now the, the hype term of the sure. day. And so you need something like a treadmill, but a treadmill in 360 degrees, an omnidirectional treadmill. And I started looking into that and nothing existed, nothing commercially viable existed. And I'm a mechanical engineer by background. So I thought, you know, this is a mechanical problem. Let me start working on, on this. And so I started working on early designs of an omnidirectional treadmill, started working with a design house in Houston, then started working with a prototype shop in Perlin to make an early prototype, all while I was at, at JP Morgan. So this was after hours, uh, late at night, 2, 3 a.m. or Sometimes I would leave the office in the afternoon, sneak out, drive to Pearland, check on this prototype, 
drive back to the JP Morgan office downtown and then work until like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Yeah, all the investment bankers out there are wondering when when did you have spare time? Yeah. <laughs> the the IB calendar is pretty packed. Pretty pretty packed. It's pretty brutal. Also mentally do two different things like that at the same time. Uh, and at some point I, I published uh, the first video of me using this big old prototype of the Omni. That, that's our core product, the Omni, this omnidirectional treadmill. I was playing this, this famous video game Skyrim with an old... VR glasses on the Omni, and that video blew up. Hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, big press mm. cycle. And then I thought, this was in, in early 2013, and then I thought, you know what, I'm, 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 this is it. I think, I think this is the right opportunity. I'm going to quit my job. I was about to make probably $400,000 that year with JP Morgan. I said, you know what, I promised myself I would quit. Uh, another fun fact, I actually wrote a contract to myself while at Rice, that I would quit my investment banking job within, I think, three and a half or four years or so. I promised mm. myself I would quit because the risk is that you get stuck and you make a lot of money. And then that entrepreneurial dream you once had, I just, you know, just didn't, didn't come to be. So I promised myself I, I would quit. And so I did quit in 2013 to launch the company, which I'm still uh, head of today, Virtuix. And that's how it started. We are now yeah, almost 10 years further. It's been a long road. We raised over $35 million from investors. Uh, Mark Cuban is a big investor. We're still small, 55 people in the company today, two products in the market. We're coming out next year with our, our third product, which is going to be our first consumer product for the home, which is going to be our big swing at the bat. Really the big vision we had from the start is about to come to fruition. And I think we're in for a really exciting time. And you know, we're supposed to be the the next billion dollar company. That's why investors invested in us. And uh, we're not there yet, but you know, we're having an exciting time uh, ahead of us. So that's in a nutshell, you know, my post-Rice uh, career. That sounds fantastic. You mentioned Mark Cuban. For folks that want to see Virtuix in action, you were on Shark Tank mm -hmm. uh, some years ago. The entrepreneurial experience is never smooth. And so I'd just love if you had an experience or two that you sort of reflect back on that was kind of like a oh no, what have I done here kind of thing? Or if it was always just kind of like clear kind of vision. I mean, it's an incredible story. We'd just love mm. to kind of hear your take on some of the things that you've learned. Yeah, the vision has always been clear and still 10 years later, still the same vision and it's still more and more coming to fruition, uh, which is really neat, but it has been very hard. Uh, yeah, the biggest accomplishment at Elf folks is uh, that, that we survived, frankly. Most VR companies that started around the time I started or we started, they're long gone. It's unusual for a company, a tech startup to be around after 10 years. Most people are, yes, most companies are, are either dead or they've made it somehow or, or got acquired. Uh, so we survived, accomplishment number one, uh, but it hasn't been easy at all. Fundraising for a big piece of hardware has always been hard. Uh, the first funding round we did, 2014, was extremely hard. Probably the, the lowest point was when my wife told me you know, Jan, if this doesn't work out, you're going to have to find a job, right? <laughs> Very uh, low point in my career, but pulled it off and never lost faith. Got the funding round done. Mark Cuban uh, invested in that first round. He invested three times now over the years. The last time in our last round, two years ago. Uh, 2020 was really, really hard because uh, our flagship product today which was also the case uh, in 2020, is, is Omni Arena, which is a, a turnkey attraction for big entertainment venues. 
Uh, we mm. sell to Dave & Buster's, for example. In Houston, uh, Dave & Buster's has one. Palace Social, Close to Rice University has an Omni Arena. But that's our key market, is entertainment venues, which, of course, in 2020, they all shut down in a matter of days. So our revenues went uh, to $0 in just a few days' time. Extremely hard. We laid off people, furlough, salary cuts, emergency fundraising. Really stressful time. Probably the, the one time where I thought that we may not make it. But through sheer, uh, I guess, uh, determination and perseverance made it through it. And we have a great team as well and survived again. And now we're in, at the cusp of delivering Omni One, which is our, our, our Omni system for the home, the big vision we had from the start. And that's looking so, so promising. So 10 years in the making, if you will, and hopefully uh, an overnight success after 10 years of uh, blood, sweat and tears. Fantastic. Guys, this has been a great discussion. I kind of want to, as we kind of wrap up, I just want to ask sort of like a what's next question. Like, what are the things that you guys are excited about, whether in your careers or with family or time? I, you know, I don't know, Jan, if you just play video games in your spare time or if you like to go do something different uh, sort of outside that space, but would just love to ask a what's next question. Family-wise, the next few years are, you know, with kid in high school and <laughs> there's there will be some transitions uh, pretty soon, uh, thinking about college and, and all those things, right? Uh, professionally, uh, I am very excited about this project I'm involved with, uh, about taking this, this company internationally and hopefully increasing the size significantly. And, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of where we are. It's, it's, uh, it has a lot of the, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial angles. Right, going into something new, but with a very, very solid, solid foundation, which, uh, which obviously reduces the risk <laughs> on on my end, right? So, so it's a, uh, it's it's really exciting. A lot of some of the things that I, that I thought I was, I was actually looking at some of the, I found somewhere some of the essays that I wrote uh, to come to rise, and I was I was talking at the time about you know, the cross in international, you know, uh, in relation to Mexico-U.S. relationship and Latin America and, you know, my ability to understand how you do business in Mexico and in the U.S. and helping that bridge that, I mean, the gaps, the natural gaps that occur in business is looking like now it's, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> having to deliver on that. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I have uh, uh, three kids at home, including a one-month-old baby, plus I have Virtuix, so uh, uh, I don't have any hobbies anymore. <laughs> uh, mainly just working uh, for Virtuix, and in my spare time, I, I try to spend, spend some nice time with my, with my family. So, so what's next is um, a really exciting time for, for our company and bringing the, the new product to market, and hopefully, finally, uh, you know, really running it to, uh, to high success. And, I love what I do. Even in 2020, which was so hard, every day I was still grateful that I got to do every day what I was doing at that time was very hard. But having your own company, being your own boss, growing something, building something, leading a team, I just love everything about it. And so hope to keep doing that uh, for, a, for a whole while longer. Love it. Jesus, Jan, thanks for taking the time and being on the show. Thanks so much. Really, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. This has been I'll Have You Know, a production of Rice Business. You can find more information about our guests, hosts, and announcements on our website, business.rice.edu. Please subscribe and leave a rating wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think. The hosts of I'll Have You Know are myself, Scott Gale, and Maya Pomeroy.